0: This is Travel Wise, the travel podcast for growth-hungry entrepreneurs. Join us as we explore travel, continuous learning, and the psychology of flow. Ready for takeoff? Ask me why. Welcome, everybody, to 52 Living Ideas. Happily, we are in the last of the doom and gloom chapters of this book, The Evolving Self by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. This is our continuing exploration of the concept of flow. And part one of this book, uh, admittedly, Moritz and I, we've both agreed it's been kind of depressing, but this is the end of the doom and gloom. We're going to move on to part two next time. So, and there are, I think, some interesting observations. And I believe we're going to have a really good discussion here today, talking about the idea of memes and memes versus genes. I think we're ready. I don't know where Marissa went. You ready to Oh, getting your book? <laughs> Did you want to say anything else here to get us started?
1: Sorry about that. No, no, um, we're good. This is just this is our banner. Um, page here reminding you guys that this is a sequel to flow book. Um, We operate from whenever we speak of flow, this is the definition we're using. And then that's it, that's all I wanna say about that
0: yeah yeah so just really quickly we've got a presentation here so even if you didn't have the opportunity to read the chapter we're gonna pull out all the most important points to talk about here we're gonna do breakout rooms about 20 minutes small group discussion and then we will come back to the main room here and have a big discussion about your takeaways and your biggest questions that will be inspired by this chapter. But we do always like to begin, um, as Marissa pointed out, with the definition of flow that MC gives us here. So flow is that state when you are so immersed and involved in the activity that action and awareness seem to merge. Uh, the experience itself is so enjoyable that uh, time passes strangely and your sense of self disappears. And the other really important indicator of flow that we always talk about is this idea of the challenge skills balance, where you're in this sweet spot that we call the flow channel where your skills meet the challenge at hand. And that's part of what gets us into this state of such engagement. So So, moving on to the chapter du jour, which is memes versus genes. But we wanted to start this out even with discussion of the concept of meme, because in this book, MC is definitely relying on the Richard Dawkins concept of meme. So it's not the concept of meme that I think we are all now very familiar with in the social media age, when those memes are a particular example of the broader concept of meme that we get from Richard Dawkins and from the scientific exploration into evolution. So this is just a Quick little introduction refresher on this concept of meme. So um, it was it's here. The word meme was introduced by Richard Dawkins in his book *The Selfish Gene* to describe cultural. Inf- information that gets passed from one person to another and distributed through social systems, much as genes are distributed through human biological systems. And he points out that it comes from the Greek word mimesis, which means imitation, because cultural instructions are passed on by example and imitation. And I just wanted to point out, I love this slide that Maritza put together. And if you didn't notice that the theme of this beautiful background picture is mimesis, which it says there in the bottom right corner. Anything else you wanted to point out from this discussion of memes that we really should pay attention to and need to know?
1: Um, Just the idea of the fact that, you know, the last line, it's very small and the bottom there, but it says these memes constitute the moral system and generally they have been the most successful attempts humans have developed to give a desirable direction to evolution. That kind of is like a um, a foreshadowing of the entire chapter. So we're gonna we're going to be addressing that statement as we move forward in all the other um, sections here in the book. Um, and I do want to say before we move forward, I was not in love with this chapter. I really wasn't. So we're both uh, Joya and I are doing a happy dance for coming to the end of the first section.
0: I think we did agree that the, the broad concept of the chapter and the questions it raises, I think, are even more interesting than the chapter itself. So I think even having this discussion of memes in the broad sense, and again, you know, we, this is a discussion about the broad sense of memes. As he points out here, examples of memes are languages, number, theories. Uh, songs, recipes, laws, and as Marissa pointed out, moral values, these are all memes that we pass on to our children and our grandchildren, and they spread throughout the culture. So memes just really is this broader idea of cultural products, the unit of c- cultural information that can get passed on in a way that is perhaps analogous to genes.
1: Right. And if nothing else, if you, you get nothing else and you are it and you run away, this Page here. I think this is great to remind folks of what is actually meant when we're talking about means and why it's actually a little scary that we're using image clips and we're calling them this thing, this thing that is so pervasive in our entire, you know, evolutionary being from a cultural perspective. So I just thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Obviously, the humorous image clips are an example of a meme, but the concept of a meme is so much broader. And there's a lot of richness, I think, to explore when we use that original definition. Right.
1: When I was writing this, what came to mind is the idea of, um, you know, some of us in this room here are old enough to have heard a song and to hear somebody younger say, oh, this is a great song. So and so wrote that and you're looking at them. Try again, man. (laughs) <laughs> two, jet, two artists ago was the original person who wrote that song. And, but the original writer or singer of that song, it just wasn't popular, so it didn't take off. And then this new other version is the one that took off. So when now forever that song is associated with the second person to sing it, that's kind of what you're hearing here. What they're talking about a meme is there are so many ideas, concepts, things that are out in the world the ones that take root and the ones that become the progeny of the previous idea are the ones that get pushed forward and they're the ones that we trace for evolutionary path when we're talking cultural
2: evolution all right shall we get into the book
0: let's get into the chapter So the first point is this idea of the competition of memes. Again, this is the analogy to the way genes would function. Uh, The main point here, generally memes that do the job with the the easiest demand on psychic energy will be the primary ones to survive. Uh, As he points out here, the information we generate has a life of its own, and its existence is sometimes symbiotic, sometimes parasitic relative to our own a uh, human evolution here. And another point here that says, um, you know, memes require only our minds to feed on, feed on and they will replicate images of themselves in consciousness. An older viable meme generates in the mind of a person a new meme that is more attractive and has an even better chance of surviving in the human mind because it is more powerful, more efficient or cheaper. I think that's even the one that's maybe the most similar to this idea of the way music evolves. And I have to say, Personally, a lot of times I like it when the newer artist uh, you know, has the version of the song that it, I often find to be the improvement on the original. There's a reason why another artist takes that song and makes it their own. But maybe Maritza has some some particular songs so, in mind where she's so preferred have, the original.
1: <laughs> what we've learned here is that Joya is going to be the happy older lady who's happily rocking in her rocking chair, I'm going to be the cantankerous one yelling at people to get off my lawn. Because I hear the new song and I'm like, I don't get why everyone prefers this one. It's not better. The original person did it right.
0: Now I'm just really <laughs> curious, which which songs are you thinking of? Um, Spanish, actually. I don't really okay. know very oh, many okay. English Maybe. ones.
1: But um, there are so many um, songs that I swear my ears bleed when I hear the new version. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's not. And again, it's my bias because the general consensus and populace is that the new one is better. It's faster paced. They sped up the salsa, they simplified some of the beats. They love it. Me, not so much. <laughs>
0: oh. Anything else from uh, this first section of the chapter you want to make for, sure we talk about?
1: So, the, the competition of memes here, it's this. The concept that we're being shown in this section is a direct tie to Darwin's concept, and not just Darwin, but others, the evolutionary concept of survival of the fittest. So this is telling you that not only genes follow this path of survival of the fittest, so do means. And the, the scary thing about this, and to me, yes, some of this registered as scary, maybe not scary, maybe more cautionary tale as it were, because, What it's saying is that we've already acknowledged several times here together that we walk upon the shoulders of our ancestors. And what it's saying is that those bits of data that we have collected from our ancestors, they are not all the bits of data that the ancestors had for us. We only have the ones that were most pleasing to the generation that came immediately preceding us. And that generation only got the bits of data that were most pleasing to the generation that immediately preceded them. So it's like, what all got lost in translation? So as somebody who really likes information, I'm sitting there going, oh, there's a lot of information lost. But, but again, I, I think that's the natural process and that's what we're being told is that and, and we'll, actually, I'm gonna hush up because what I was about to say is kind of a spoiler. So
0: let me not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go on to the next section then. So this next section is all about memes and addiction. The main point here, as the slide says, just as drugs can modify our brain chemistry and produce effects that become addictive, demanding and controlling. So, too, parasitic memes can take over our control of our consciousness and of the social consciousness. I feel we're going to be talking a lot about music here, too, because that's the first one that comes to my mind, certainly thinking about addictive memes. I am definitely that person that almost always gets some kind of song stuck in my head. Your worms are definitely addictive to me. Uh, But um, one point here, the distinction between a symbiotic and a parasitic meme is not always uh, easy an easy one to make. In a symbiotic interaction, the memes contribute to our well-being. In a parasitic interaction, the human is no longer in control, and the meme is a destructive force within the human consciousness. So maybe that might even be the interesting musical question of which of the songs that we like are symbiotic and memes, musical memes that make our lives better and which are just those annoying earworms that we wish had never been created. That just makes me think of the Barney song. That's the first one that pops to my mind. Oh, my.
1: Um, For me, this this section, um, I am really what called to mind of the concepts of action and consequence. And this, again, we're talking cautionary tales because, you know, doom and gloom chapters. The caution here is that we should keep foremost ever in our mind that there's two sides. So at the very last bullet here it says, you know, these technological advances and inventions are great. They've got all these great things we have. We it's increased the availability of options, but each additional option has a consequence and failure to be aware of that could bite us down the line. So that's basically what, um, we're being told here is that, and it's just like anything, you know, you can have, I tell people, I believe I have an addictive personality. I get addicted to books, to learning, to reading. Okay. It's the coffee. But the, the idea here is that they're using the word addiction to say, like you can, I could if I have a coffee pot next to me, I could really just refill my coffee all day and just keep drinking all day. And it would ne- it wouldn't hurt my feelings. I enjoy the taste of it. I enjoy the feel of it, I can drink it all day. So what this is saying, if I am not being conscious, I will sit there and drink coffee all day to the detriment of my body. And if you extrapolate that to other aspects and facets in your life, that's what we're being told here, that when the meme becomes something that is constantly going into your stream of consciousness, without actually hitting the conscious part of consciousness, you're gonna run into troubles here. And if everybody in your community or society is doing it,
2: it's gonna become big problems and troubles.
1: All right, shall we move along?
0: Let's go. So next we are talking about memes and media. And this section I thought was just fascinating to read now in the 2020s as opposed to the end of the 90s when he was writing this. are Even thinking about addiction and social media and just the presence of media and the explosion of media that the internet has made possible in the past 20 plus years. This point I think is even more true than ever and there's maybe more interesting things to explore about this particular topic but The main point here says, media has become a major facilitator of meme distribution and controller of our consciousness. It allows us the delusion that we are in control of our actions and that we are privy to an absolute truth. If we don't take charge and use media for our own goals, they may take over and use us for their own ends. So again, this is the same point that he was making in the earlier section, talking about addiction, because media, as we all know, is an example of a potentially addictive substance. But this is this whole point about every kind of new technology will have its pros and its cons. And it's important for us to be conscious of what they are doing so that we can be intentional and take advantage of the pros and try to minimize the cons. And certainly I believe that is true with media. So this
1: section, in the book, he focuses mostly on television and the cautionary tale of television. I included social media because I think that he would have included social media in this section here if the book had been written a mere 20 years later which is, that's insane. By the way, pause and think about what I just said. Just 20 years after this book was written, I think, because this book is in the 90s, right? I think it's
0: even like 1999. 1993. I always it was later, but you're probably right. So 1993,
1: 20 years later is
2: 2013. And the world as we knew it in 1993, for those of us old enough to have known anything in 1993, was so vastly changed so as to be almost unrecognizable. How does one keep up?
1: How do we avoid, the memes would have been thrown at us and discarded in such a rapid fire manner and so quickly that some of us are still trying to process memes from 2013. And now here we are another almost 10 years later. It's it's daunting almost. The and but the crazy thing is one would think that with the explosion of the internet onto the scene for us,
2: we would have let
1: go more willingly, more readily, and more completely the notion of there being a one absolute truth. But I think this concept of memes and how we don't consciously recognize how deeply they are shaping us, this provides a really good why to the question I mean, I'm sorry, a really good answer to the question of why we still allow ourselves the delusion that there could possibly be one truth. And, and it's because we we just haven't processed some of these memes and they're coming out of so thick and so heavy. And I mean, think about it. I, I don't know when, what was the inception of Facebook, but um, I remember MySpace and, that was like huge. It was so huge. And then from one day to the next, it was nothing. And Facebook was 10 times huger. Now I was on MySpace and I was like, because again, I'm going to be that cantankerous old lady throwing people off her lawn. You know, when folks are switching to my, to Facebook, I was like, ah, it's a pass and fade. I like MySpace. I'm staying with MySpace. Too much effort. So eventually, you know, I gave into peer pressure and um in 2009 i think i got um facebook but again that is just a few years so the book was in 1993 we're talking 15 16 years later and the world totally changed because um about it would have been only about 13 years for myspace you add another two three years and then facebook re-revolutionizes everything and now we have i i don't have it a lot, but I know my siblings do because they're always sending me these messages. TikTok is yet another social media platform. And he uses television, but I really believe you can take out TV and add in TikTok or add in YouTube or um, Netflix, but Netflix is much closer to television. But these like these little bit, my sister got on our group family chat and said that she lost three hours to TikTok on Saturday morning. I don't even understand how that's possible. I mean, I, so I don't have TikTok. So, so this is not an informed opinion you guys are getting. That's my disclaimer banner. But if I, as I understand it, TikTok is just little short clip videos. How do you lose three hours? Because you have allowed the meme to take control and to sew these little threads and you're being, you know, you are so not in control if you can lose three hours to a social media platform. And it see, it's funny, right? We want to laugh. But what this section is pointing out to us is that it's not really a laughing matter. I mean, sure, it could be funny, but then there's the real dangers that come with it because, you know, what, what they're saying, the line that, is most striking to me in this
2: section. He says, you know, he says,
1: it is important to, wait, where is it? No, wait, when successful memes take over the minds of a group of individuals, reality becomes peculiarly distorted. And I thought it was peculiar that he used the word peculiarly. But then I started to think about it and then I remembered my sister talking about how she lost these three hours. And that's what came to mind, the idea that it sounds not only, I mean, because you know, it used to be when you lost three hours to TV, it was a dirty little shameful secret and you didn't tell anybody. If somebody asked, oh, I was cleaning all day Saturday morning. But now it's become something so part of our social environment that it's acceptable to actually speak out loud and to t- say to others that you spent three hours looking at your phone, swiping a million times these little clip of videos. And the, the thing is, let's not forget that all of these platforms are spoon feeding a specific type of media to you. You're not getting an unbiased, purely random selection. And so, now this media is shaping you and you're just sitting there allowing it to do so for, I mean, that's a sizable chunk of your day. If you figure you're only awake from 6 a.m. until, and my sister's an early words, so 6 a.m. until like 10 p.m., that's a huge chunk of your day to allow a, you know, it's an inanimate, meme to dictate how you're spending that time. And that's, the the fear is that you have now invested psychic energy into that. But it's not just that time. The scariest part is what the book is telling us. It's not just those three hours either. Because once you leave that sofa where you were spending the three hours looking, now those ideas that you've just watched for three hours, you may not remember all three hours of it, but some of it is circling around in your brain. Like Joya was talking about the earworm of music. Now imagine an earworm of absolute nonsensical. And there's psychic energy, or maybe it's not nonsensical. I mean, you know, maybe maybe TikTok has news things. I, I don't really know. So maybe she was, you know, I didn't know my sister. So I was gonna say maybe she was doing like, you know, science or biologics, but she wasn't, but it doesn't, it, it,
2: that is immaterial because what if one is just
3: floating along? Dave, wake up, bud. We don't tolerate that behavior here. Please, stay, please. I'm sorry, guys.
2: Um, the. I'm sorry. So they, I just
3: wanted to help out because, like, uh, I just wanted to help out because, like, a participant was already sleeping.
4: That's okay. People are allowed to sleep.
3: I, I didn't know we were. Allowed, I didn't know we were allowed to sleep in the meeting. My bad. I'm new to the, the to the meeting. I'm sorry. I'll stay muted.
1: Thank you. Um. So well, maybe that's my cue to hush up. Anyway, the the uh. So I just this section is extremely powerful. I think, and it is just we're gonna get more into a way to. Try to combat this concept we're going to touch upon it just a little bit in this chapter but we'll discuss this amongst ourselves i just i ask you now as you go forward looking at all your different social media things keep in mind that there's a possibility that it's shaping you
0: i'll just uh, jump in and say i thought this particular point was the most interesting thinking about this in terms of social media, because I see social media does both of these things. On the one hand, we know the way the algorithms of social media works, that everybody just gets their own little echo chamber. So as opposed to just 20 plus years ago, when we all had TV, there was perhaps just one mainstream narrative where everybody who watched TV got that same narrative. And so there was at least maybe a common sense But as MC was already pointing out, you wouldn't necessarily want to confuse that one common message with perhaps absolute truth. So now with social media, one of the dangers is that on the one hand, we each potentially fall into our own echo chamber. But the flip side, the positive side, is that there's also just opportunity for anybody, to publish and find an audience and get a voice. So there's that opportunity for so many more voices. Laura, to Laura, mute your mic please, Laura. So that we can. Um...
3: Oh, I was talking to a participant, I'm sorry. My bad, my bad.
1: If you wish to speak to a participant, please use the chat. Um, we are gonna ask folks to remain muted while we're presenting. Thank you. Okay. I'm
3: sorry. Yep. I'm just. Yeah. Me- I'm just new. I'm just new. I'll stay muted.
0: Yep. So we just ask everybody to stay muted for the presentation part. Then we are going to go into the breakout rooms where everyone gets a chance to talk. And then, um, you know, Moritz and I will moderate the the group discussion at the end as well. So uh, let's go on to the next section then. All right, so then we're going to talk about this idea of the competition of ideas, again, making this analogy to the way that genes work. So here, the main idea was that uh, more ephemeral ideas also evolve like objects do, and they can affect our survival just as drastically. Uh, As points out here, nowadays, people are most vulnerable to having their minds invaded by economic, political, or science scientific memes because it is economics, politics, and science that have the most credibility in promising to enhance the quality of life. Uh, Maybe we'll even want to think about uh, what are the topics that are up on TikTok that are perhaps um, most uh, changing the way that the people's minds are actually functioning. Um, But he brings up this, I think, really interesting point at the end. Here he's even talking about the way that the written word and that language works. This is even, I think, fascinating. And there's a lot of Fifty Two Living Ideas meetups about this topic about the ways that language evolved, how it was such a no, thank you drastic technological change when we got the written word, and then to go now. I think you know we're with social media we've entered this kind of new stage whereas moritz has pointed out people don't do as much reading because it's just so easy to consume audio media or the short little videos that are all up on tiktok so this might even just be an interesting question going into the future about the ways in which different forms of media have the potential, as this point says, so we'll point to written ideas, words, and we might think now new media begin to override the living will and ideas of the people.
2: For me, it was an interesting thought experiment to think about um, that there's, that
1: the competition of ideas could be a negative thing. Um, and, it, and it started with the previous section, right? Looking at social media and the negative, um, potentially negative connotations, but it's, it's again, it's that, it, it's, it's the brutal conceptualization of these concepts as survival of the fittest. When you frame it into that, context it's it really does cause one pause um and that you know the interesting here thing here is it so you know in chapter three we spoke about the um when um what is it um mommy, am i forgetting the word some the ex, ex. what was the inner and outer phrases that we used for um knowledge exomatic Ah, intra-somatic and extrasomatic. We spoke about how for most of our history, it was intrasomatic knowledge that was passed down. A, a huge turning point for us, for us, was once we entered into the extra somatic realm. And that's what we see here. So the, the advent of the written word totally changed the course of how we were going to evolve. And the thing about that is that that's not encoded in our genetic structure or makeup. There's actually nothing within any of us that would dictate that our evolution would be so impacted by this thing, literacy. And yet it, happens it happened it will continue to happen because now we're not reliant solely on the songs of our ancestors they can write them down we don't have to remember them um and you know that's an oversimplified example but um that's what it boils down to that we can pass on more and greater amounts of data but here's the catch Once it's written down, it's no longer yours. When you are standing in front of your children and singing a song and having them sing the song back to you and you do that every day for the next 30 years of both of your lives, that song is going to slide into the next generation with far more completeness and less change than something you wrote on a piece of paper and put in a library because the next person who picks it up, is going to translate it. Think about translations. We have no idea what the original text of some of these ancient tomes look like or what it said. If it's a dead language, we're extrapolating. We are the translators. So, you know, that phrase lost in translation, that's this. It is words acquiring a reality of their own that is really, to me, a chilling concept. But again, it it makes perfect sense if we are beginning to consider that our culture is a breathing, moving, evolutionary entity into itself. And, And then the last bullet I put here, I just couldn't resist because... This is a song, this is not a song, sorry. It is a question that really does give one pause. At what point do the written ideas or words begin to override the living will and ideas of the people?
2: Are we today asking this question enough?
1: That, that's, and another thing is what if you take out ideas, words, and you add in social media.
2: It's a little bit chilling. It's, for me, I found it to be quite almost like horrifying to realize the extent to
1: which we are pulled in so many various directions. We, it gives a new light on the word freedom, right? Because, oh, and reliance, you know, yesterday we were talking about self-reliance and um, there are limiting factors to how self-reliant one can be when we are possessed so strongly by ideas, by words, by technological inventions.
2: It's like fascinating and horrifying at the same time to me anyway.
0: And so, the last part of the chapter here is all about memes and materialism. So, the major point here objects and conspicuous consumption provide such obvious symbols for the expansion of the self that we are particularly vulnerable to being invaded by material memes. We must remember that memes, once they have claimed our attention, will try to reproduce themselves, whether it is good for us or not. Um, so, and you know, this is, I loved even the graphics that, that Marissa has included here of all of the crazy hoarders, the hoarder's house, and the, the man with all of his things. Um, you know, and as the chapter points out, you know, as the, the hoarder of objects, you know, looks on the objects he possesses, a man is deluded into thinking of himself as a big deal. It becomes easy to spend one's whole life accumulating property without end just to feed one's ego. So this is the point that, you know, it's not just ideas or media or objects of consciousness that function as memes that the physical objects can have this same effect on our consciousnesses as well.
1: um, So this is, again, this is, you know, there's a theme. And I, the last bullet, Memes survive because people first store them in memory and then reproduce them through their behavior. That takes us back to the same concept of we are, like it's, the, it's that survival of the fittest because if we don't like an idea that much, we're not gonna store it in our memory and we're not going to reproduce it. And then also back to the concept of the songs. The most catchy tune is the one that gets passed along. And we're not necessarily even passing along. It could just be a matter of if there's 10 of us, 10 of us listen to three songs. And of the 10 of us, eight of us prefer the same one song. When we encounter different subsets of humans, that's the song we're gonna propagate forward. We'll be whistling it or we'll say, oh, have you heard this song? And then so on and so forth. Now, remember there were three songs, but if we absolutely hated the last two songs, it doesn't get pushed forward like that one song. And so going down the line, what's going to, be, what's going to become fact is that one song was released on March 31st, 2022, and that song was great. Why Because the two other songs that were released on that day were not the ones that caught fire. and there were not and so they're not the ones that hitched a ride in our memory banks and then jumped off to hitch rides in future minds, passed through word of mouth, whether it's whistling or if it was written or something like that. and that's On the non-materialistic side, now imagine if you're doing the same thing. And I would like to point out, there's a little bit of positivity in this section because we are told and that he is specifying that when he's speaking of the cautionary tale of getting sucked in by materialism, he is ensuring to exclude those things one holds onto because we see value in them. If you have a very old chair that's broken and nobody can sit on, is it just a hoarding thing? Maybe not, because if it was your great-great-great grandmother's chair and it's a family heirloom, that has value. That does not fall into the category that we're reading about here on this section. And he, he, brings and points out several other things that are exclusive. So the the key here, again, it's this concept of consciousness, right? So overarching the whole thing, this is the sequel to the flow book. Our soul, our I is our consciousness. And the goal here is to become aware of those things that within our consciousness, so become more aware of the things that we're doing unconsciously so that we could take back a little bit more consciousness and wield power over our, over it a little bit more completely than one does in general, because the natural state is chaos. Sorry, the natural state is chaos and you want to wrangle it if you can. So what he's saying is because of that, if an object is an object that you keep, because it means if it brings you, he even says if it brings you pleasure. So I am one person. I live in this house by myself. And yet I have over 20 coffee mugs. There is no need. I could have seven and have one for every day of the week if I felt the need to only do dishes once. Mind you, I clean these mugs every day, right? But I have about 20 I can cycle through. But they really do bring me pleasure. I really do. It's just a silly little fun. I like the little goofy sayings. They I just do. So I have a bunch of different mugs. MC says that because it brings me pleasure, it's not a brainless thing where the collection of the mugs is controlling the maritza. Because the maritza is getting something out of it. So because of that, and because she acknowledges it's a silliness and and does it for that bit of pleasure, I'm the one in control. And I thought that was a small nuance, but it's the bit of, we get a little bit of happy here, a little bit of a positive note we could share with you. Finally, it only took five chapters. Um, So I thought that was really, really interesting thought that, it only becomes a concern when you don't know why. It's like, why do you need a TV in every room and a 60 inch screen in your bathroom? Oh, because Suzy Q next door has a 50 inch and you couldn't possibly let Suzy Q have a bigger TV than you. Or because you saw in the news that, or in the television that, you know, the 80 inches were not sale and so you had to have one. If, if it's not, if it, if it is an external reason for which you have collected this material item,
2: perhaps you should ask yourself who is in control
1: there. And I just thought that was a fascinating concept and an interesting distinction. And it might be a good, um, it might actually be a good um, way for us to um, know make our wallets healthier if before we buy things we ask ourselves who's the one in control of this purchase i have to admit that i um i have given in to amazon because you know amazon sends me the message and goes wouldn't you like to look at this deal we know you want one it's similar to this item you bought two months ago do you like it sometimes the answer is yes but looking at it so so that's a, it's because you know we have Alexa right we haven't spoken about Alexa or Amazon yet because you know I've just said that and about three of you guys' um robot machines in your in your room perked up right it's so it's a um what I like about the section this was the section I thought was most well done by MC because he gives us a second thing to look at and I think that in viewing these exceptions, these things that we hold dear that bring us joy, by excluding them specifically and clearly, he allows us the ability to say, oh, well then, if these are the ones that are excluded, then these other things are the ones that I need to worry about because these things are taking up psychic energy. They're taking up my attention, they're taking up clutter, but they have no actual value to me. I just wanted to share that bit from this um, section. Also, I do want to share with you guys that in the writing in the corner, oh, you can't see it because I write in pencil. But on the sideline here, I actually wrote something. He was writing something that affected me so viscerally. that I actually wrote, I refuse to be slave to my material possessions. And um, I don't actually remember what it was that I... That it triggered within me that made me write that, but um, write it I did. So I felt the need to um, go ahead and share it with you. This is so, this, this um, chapter, is it? So, yeah, we have the one, the next slide. So the next slide is a bringing together of several of the concepts we've discussed.
0: So our last slide here, it, it's the conclusion of this idea, but I think it's really been just the conclusion of everything we've been talking about here so far. So just maybe read this one out. So says, so memes are supposed to help improve our lives, but many make us act against our interests. It is often difficult to tell when that line is crossed. It is not easy to know when we are serving the runaway replication of memes, and when we are doing something because it is best for us. It is impossible to rid ourselves completely of the artifacts and ideas that populate the mind. But as with the sources of illusion, you can at least take cognizance of our limits, step back and evaluate where our psychic energy is being directed and why. Even if we stop there and go no further, we will have claimed a certain amount of freedom for our lives, and we will be better prepared to face the new millennium, which is our current millennium, which we are now living in. And I think this just gets us back to the big theme and the big word that we've been using all throughout, which is this idea of intention. And we know this, I think this is even what's gonna set us up now for the rest of the book, because the heart of thinking about the flow experience is how you invest your attention and the importance of attention. And so it is, I believe, through the process of being intentional that we take control over how it is that we use our attention and whether we are going to choose to spend that attention on things and ideas that actually benefit us or not.
1: Yes, and there's one more little thing I want to read out to you. It's, it's in the end of the last section, but I really think it's part of the wrap-up for the chapter, and it's I have to admit, sorry guys, this is a very other chilling concept, right? So MC tells us, we must remember that memes, once they have claimed our attention, remember that attention is psychic energy. So memes, once they have claimed our attention, will try to reproduce themselves, whether it is good for us or not
2: chilling right it sounds almost like we're being cursed um
1: the he uses the example of the concept of democracy to highlight this um statement and it's a, it's very well done very well explained and it's it's kind of eerie but again but it ties perfectly to this this last idea of you know we we're not going to be able to stop you know, some, some ideas take on a life of their own. There are, I, we are living the embodiment of ideas that took a life of their own generations back and we're living them. So we, we're we not going to be able to rid ourselves from them, right? But the idea of, this was where I was, I was about to say the spoilers and I stopped myself because this is the where I was going. The idea that, Sometimes just becoming aware is enough. It gives you that awareness. You you just shined a mirror onto something. And now because you can see it, you can grab just a little bit enough to move forward, even if you cannot change it. And that's kind of a hard concept, but it's a very powerful one.
0: So I think this takes us into the question we have to direct your small group breakout rooms here. So this was a question from the book in the the further thoughts and questions that MC gives us at the end of the chapter. So his question here was, for example, the idea of country is a necessary and beneficial component of culture. Yet patriotism can easily turn into ethnocentrism or lead individuals to mindless self-sacrifice. What are some cultural memes in today's world that control our behavior without our quite knowing why? And again, I think Maritza is pointing out exactly why we think this is such a fascinating question to explore, because maybe precisely by starting to pay attention and identify explicitly what some of these memes might be, that it, sometimes it's the first step, and sometimes it's it's the only step required to actually take back your control, so that it's you controlling the memes and not the memes controlling you. So I am going to set up the breakout room. Let's see how many people we got. Well, hello there. All Just
2: right. I'm going
1: to finish one thought very quickly to Sharon. Sorry. Okay. No, Sharon. I was going to say I I tend to view myself a little bit more like you, whereas I don't think that the social media has quite the hooks in me that it has for some other people, but doesn't this
0: chapter make you wonder? (laughs) Sounds like you guys had a really interesting. Yeah, it actually made me
4: think maybe there's some that I'm not even aware of. And I was kind of hoping that others would have examples, and I would think, oh, my God, that's where I've been hooked, and I didn't even know it, so. We're
1: hooked on the concept of democracy.
4: <laughs> well,
2: yeah. That's not a terrible one.
5: Oh, I, I just realized something, but, like, are we going to post in the chat, do, like, the normal format that we do if we have questions or comments?
0: Yeah, yeah, let's do, um, we should. if you have question takeaway sounds like you guys are having a really interesting discussion in that room so maybe there's even some uh, ideas from there that we'll want to take to the big room here too
1: yes well we were laughing because we realized that all of us that are here were the ones that were in the breakout room right. with the exception of you
0: okay. and there, there were some other people yeah laura and then a couple other people i think kind of were like dropped off too something else. Right. so right yes the ones <laughs> left
1: are mm-hmm. all the ones that were together in the group um so, yeah, so, I mean, that's, um. what do you want to do? Do you want us to give you more questions? What do you think, Andrea?
0: Well, do we want to start, maybe we can add this question to the list, which is um, maybe what are ways that we might not even have thought of that uh, social media might be getting its tentacles into us? That might be a question.
4: And not just social media. I think Maritza brought up that, um, Advertising is now more product placement. It's not mm-hmm. even a, a real ad anymore. And, and you know what, Maritza? I'm thinking, I wonder if that goes on in other ways that you don't even know. You know, you maybe you're at the health club and you know, you're walking through the health mm-hmm. club. I don't know. I'm it's definitely going to give me a heightened awareness to pay attention. Yeah. Well, even, you know, even
1: things like so I work in um, well, I don't work in the hospital, I work for a hospital but um the nurses are all advertising for um under armor because the sweaters that we buy for them for chilly weather (laughs) they have the jefferson logo on them but the brand i think it's under armor i could be wrong but whatever the brand is it you there it's displayed on the arm a little bit Mm -hmm. and the small back so they're advertising not just Jefferson Hospital, but also, whatever is the brand of the sweater before we put the logos on. It's crazy, and you don't think of it, but I see it every day, Um, different things, um, like even pens, you know, a bank doesn't give you a pen for free out of the goodness of their heart. They give you a pen for free because it has their address on it. And what about um, uh, cars? For those of you who buy a car, how many of you, before you drive that brand new car of the lot, how many of you ask them to remove the placard that has the dealership logo on it? it didn't occur to any of you. So you're all driving around advertising for that dealership.
6: Right. I don't have a car, hmm? I have a car so I don't-
1: Neither you.
2: do
0: I. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it looks like Anton has a question here to add to the list.
5: Uh, or or a comment. I don't, or a comment.
0: <laughs> yeah. Takeaway or some thought.
5: Yeah, yeah. A uh, meme.
0: A meme to add to the list.
5: Yeah. Well, I I could even say like I never thought of it. It's it's so interesting how one of the things that I gained from not just like these conversations but conversations that i have in different groups in general is like sometimes somebody can make a simple seemingly simple observation like what maritza was saying about advertising and how it works i see it on the side of buses we see it on billboards that's blatant but i don't think like how everything that you see whether you're consciously thinking about it or not can be seen as a form of advertising like brands' logos so yeah, but here's one thing that I'm realizing, I think I might be able to tie this in with like social media as a meme, because like, um, I'm 32 years old. And I think because of my age, I'm like, I kind of feel between two generations. I feel between the boomers and then people who are like 20 years old, much younger than me. So I kind of relate to, (laughs) I kind of, if you start saying the way things used to be often enough, you realize you're getting old or feeling like you're getting old because 32 is not that old, but uh, social media and technology has accelerated things so quickly, you feel older at a younger age. I think that's, that's what's actually happening. And, but there's still like, I think it's a meme of, you know, uh, kids these days versus the older generation and that repeats itself but now social media has widened the gap like a social media passes on meme it is a meme or passes on memes itself but it's also widened the gap because of it's not only accelerated our culture but like obviously the younger you are the more you relate to that or you could be like me or you're somewhere in between I relate to it but I'm also similar in some ways to boomers you know so yeah those mm-hmm. are some thoughts.
1: So here's a depressing um thought for you. My niece, she's she's gonna be 20 this year. When she was 16 or 17, she informed me that um Facebook was only for old people. So wow. yeah. Oh, and, and mind you, back then I wasn't even 40
4: yet. So right. Well, no, but what is their what is their social, I was I'm sorry, what is her social media choice then? They do um snap something snap it snapchat snapchat oh, wow.
1: and they also do um instagram so i wanted so this this is a total side sorry um the uh so snapchat is actually a subsidiary snap is the company and my girlfriend sent me a text with this cute little person that looked like herself and I was like, that's so cute. How do you do it? And she's like, oh yeah, Bitmoji. So I went into the Google Play Store and I looked at Bitmoji and I was like, oh, maybe I'll download it. But I am one of those weirdos who actually reads the term and conditions. And Bitmoji is owned by Snap Company. So I never did download it, uh, install it, because when you read the terms and conditions, they're actually like horrifyingly terrifying. Um, you have to agree that everything on your phone is... There, every me- picture on your phone is theirs. They have rights to it, whether or not you post it to any of their apps. So I was like, Yeah, we're not downloading that. But that chat is the one that all the young kids use. And that's the one that supposedly disappears. I think you send a text message and it goes away. But is it going away if they have access to everything on your phone?
4: I think we're all stunned and, and scared. I mean, I don't I don't use that, but it makes you wonder how many other T's and C, terms and conditions have that buried because they're non-negotiable, people don't meet them. So before um, all
1: the social media got really, really popular, um, the, the one thing where I used to get a lot of exasperated looks was um, credit cards. So a credit card used to say, I don't know if it still does actually, because now I've become one of those people who doesn't care. But um, it used to say not valid unless signed. Well, my cards were not signed ever. My card said, ask for ID. When you, you flipped your wrist to see if it was signed, it said, ask for ID. So if you swiped my credit card when I gave it to you, I gave you hell. And I made you actually remove the purchase and I would not buy it from your store. Um, I was a brat. I amused wow. myself in weird ways. But it was my sticking point. And, and whenever they gave me anything, I would read it. And I used to get people exasperated at me for reading it. They're like, oh, it's just the terms and conditions. That's great. But I, I, it's my right to read them. Um, but I actually had somebody argue with me when I told her, it says, ask for ID. You should not swipe this card unless it's signed. It says not valid unless signed. I had somebody stole my credit card once. You're not in compliance. She actually argued with me that that was just something that was there and that nobody actually followed it. Hmm. I was like, yep, yeah, how about if you go get your manager? <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, Joya. I'm just gabbing like We're no, home,
0: sorry yeah. guys we are. We have a small group today, so I think it's fine. You're just making me realize, you know, I used to do the same thing. I was not as obnoxious as you (laughs) with all the cashiers, but back 20 years ago, I was a cashier. And so I think I was even more aware of that. And so I had the same thing written on all my credit cards, but you're making me realize I can't even think of the last time I've handed my credit card to somebody else. Cause now it's like, everything I buy is either online or even at the stores, they all have those little machines where you insert the credit card. So I can't even like thinking about, you know, memes and the way we maybe get used to things without realizing it. I can't even think now of the last time I actually handed my credit card over to somebody.
2: I was in,
1: um, in Belize and I was talking to, um, I have a friend who's, he was about to get his final master diver certification. He'd been going through all the processes. He said, the only trouble is that you need a credit card to pay for that last um, certificate. The other ones, they allow you to pay cash. And I was like, you don't have a card? He's like, no. So in Belize, the banks all use a digital chip. So you see everyone has a digital chip. They don't use credit cards. You can pay with your digital tip, chip Wow. and you can tap, you can tap Mac. So you can pull out cash with your digital chip. They don't actually use credit cards. So because the final certification is American because they want the whole, he wants the, the accreditation to be able to do stuff worldwide. It's American based. So he needs to have an actual credit card and he doesn't have one. So he's, what he was going to have to do was find a friend who actually had a credit card so they could, he would give them the cash and he could pay for his certification. And that was just such a weird wow. concept to me because it never occurred to me that there could be a whole country that's like advanced enough to have digital chips, but not have credit card. And I was like, wait a minute, does that mean that I'm living in the country that's got the lesser technology?
2: And then I realized that I
1: was a little bit of an ugly American. (laughs) I've been here so long. I'm an ugly American. That's terrible. Because it really, I was like, no, wait, Belize has more technology for banks than we do?
2: I had to go sit in a corner and have a talk with myself.
1: Isn't that crazy? Like, that's another thing here. Like, I fell into the trap of making the assumption that the truth i know about banks was the truth shame on me bad mirza
2: but
5: it's common in philosophy groups for them to or common enough like when i'm there to talk about absolute truth or what is the absolute truth it is when it is interesting to think about comparing that in converse, like whether people feel like they know it or not and like um, like was said earlier, Joy was saying in, in the presentation about there's so many different things on social media, on YouTube, on whatever that you could look into that uh, there's, on one hand, it's a positive. On another hand, you could have an echo chamber of a very specific viewpoint that becomes like what you think is true. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm curious to hear if you guys have thoughts about how to navigate that, or if you do, or maybe how you do, um, you know, how to make sure that you don't fall into your own echo chamber and actually use, use social media wisely.
6: Well, if you want my, if you want to follow, follow me, <coughs> then um, I don't use social media at all. So just delete the whole lot.
0: <laughs> that might be one solution.
6: Also, give it a go.
5: Possibly, it's possibly that. I mean, like, if I'm honest with myself, like, I don't, as addicting as social media is, I do sometimes wonder to myself, would it be easier if I wasn't, if I didn't have any social media? Because there's also, like, a guy, uh, Cal Newport, uh, who wrote a book about quitting social media. I think Jaron Lanier might have also written that uh, about something like that, too. But, like, I, uh, <laughs> I try to manage how many tabs I'll, I will choose to have open. So I'm like, okay, choose a select number of tabs to have open. Um, oh yeah, and then Joy was asking about how I like try to see out, outside of having a, being in an echo chamber. Well, talking in these groups and listening to other perspectives helps me. For one thing, I'm also interested, but um, viewing different types of content but what I see what happens on YouTube, it's funny, but it's also what inevitably happens because the algorithm is that I'll have comedy, I'll have philosophy, I'll have politics. I have all of these things on the banner of recommended and it's still enticing. So (laughs) it doesn't completely solve the issue. (laughs) That's what I have to say.
0: Hmm. Looks like Marco has some thoughts to share here.
5: Yeah, I, I definitely have like those moments of like, you know, maybe like, 20 minutes of just like you know mindlessly like going through like facebook but i definitely like um one thing i've been trying to do is like um like noticing what i'm feeling like in the moment before i'm sort of like going you know start that you know start like the tirade basically and like um yeah like notice what i'm feeling and maybe like deal with the feeling and try to like stay with the feeling instead of like, or, you know, just automatically going into Facebook.
0: No, well, I like that because you're pointing out something really valuable that MC didn't really even talk about so much was even about how all these ideas can manipulate our emotions in ways that if we're not conscious of it, you know, then we are, we're, we're getting emotionally manipulated without even realizing it.
1: so what comes to mind for me is that what what he was mentioning to us about and i am joya in our breakout room i read for them the on page 138 the section about um is it 138 no i lied it was not 138 apologies um the idea of um ah 136 where some people are they are able to um have more control over TV. Um, And what comes to mind for me in your question is the, um, I I always tell people jokingly that, so that was just, I I was also telling them in the group that I I panicked because I left my phone um, home uh, last week for when I went to work. But you know, the thing, my phone is never on volume. It's only recently um, when I, when actually when we started, um, during the pandemic, when we started working from home, I put my phone on vibrate. My phone used to always be in silent mode. And it drove my family crazy because they were like, how do you know if somebody's calling you? And I I used to always tell them, the phone is for my pleasure and my convenience, not yours. If I happen to be free, I'll look and see who called me. If I'm not, leave me a message. Um, And they used to think I was so obnoxious of me. So you guys are getting a picture that people tend to think that often of me. But so when I went, when I started working from home, I I put the vibrate arm because now I'm using it for work. I have to be available. I have to actually answer it. But I I don't, I still don't use volume because I really, I just, I don't like the intrusiveness of it. Um, And so what I was thinking, what came to mind is that I do have social media. And for me, I really like it because I use it, again, for my convenience, I don't have time or okay, real talk, desire to reach out to every last cousin and second cousin and third cousin that I have. But I do want to see their baby pictures and those very periphery feel good things of my family. And my family is like ginormous, huge. I mean, we have like eight aunts and one alone has 10. And then they're all my age, and down, and so they have their families and some of them, so huge, but I enjoy it. So I go on, I don't have Facebook on my phone. Like, um, well, I could go onto the internet and get Facebook but I don't have the app, but I do go into it. Oh, and I don't turn on notifications. I, you don't need to tell me that. If I'm curious about what's on Facebook, I'll go look for it. And, and then that, so that's the way I treat social media. Social media is there for my convenience. Um, and it's funny because you always get these little um, sad messages from Facebook saying, you can't know um, who's trying to talk to you in chat unless you download the app. And I'm like, that's okay, I'll wait till I'm at a computer and I can check it. Um, lately, what I've started getting from them, if I go onto it on my phone in the internet, I get a little banner that pops up that says to me, um, we now have Facebook Lite, it's only two megabytes you can download it anywhere and I laugh because it makes me think that this digital platform can't imagine why on earth somebody would not want to download their app unless they have space constraints and so their answer is if you haven't downloaded the app they're going to tell you that they have a lighter version of it so that you can download that app and I had to chuckle because I thought about that here that just now when you were talking Joya I was like that's the 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 thing the meme is trying to control me still but I win because I refuse um but so that that's just um I think that you're not necessarily doomed if you do drink the Kool-Aid and get a Facebook account and get an Instagram account um because just don't Let it become your whole life, right? Um, If you can selectively choose when you're going to partake in that. But then I wonder, is that also true of something like TikTok? If you're losing three hours to TikTok,
2: that's not really selectively chosen, right? I don't have TikTok, but I'm saying...
0: Probably not if you're losing three hours. Oh wait, but it looks like a DLJ has something to say here, and then I'll have, I will have a comment too.
6: Okay, sorry. I can do, that. <clears throat> do you want to drop? It just uh, occurred to me then, um, from what you said, is this going to be the same psychology as addiction? Is it related, or is it a case of trying to kick the habit? I mean, I said cold turkey earlier as a joke, and I thought, well, maybe it is. Maybe it's the same brain chemistry involved.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that, that, that is true. So I think your know, studies are showing that people get dopamine. There's like a dopamine hit from responding to your um, social media and from the, the dings from your likes that people get like a dopamine rush from that. So it looks like there really is a, you know, a definite kind of you know, brain chemistry addiction that is going on in the way that people are responding to social media. I, I was just going to piggyback onto what Maritza was saying. And um, so my phone live, lives. Um, do not disturb mode because I do not want to be disturbed. Um, but I will share that this definitely caused uh, arguments between me and my husband even before we were married and we were first starting dating and it just really annoyed him and he was like, you know what if there's an emergency and I have to get in contact with you and I'm like, if there's an emergency call 911. <laughs> If there's an emergency, call your mother, call your best friend, like I'm letting you know that I am not the person to call if there is an emergency. And so we eventually compromised that I added him to my favorites list. So with your favorites, you can choose certain people um, who if they call it will like ring your phone will ring, but it still didn't solve the problem because most days I work from home. And when I do, it's usually I'm like here at my computer in one room and the phone <laughs> is in a different room. So even if it does ring, you know, I, I don't hear it. But but that's definitely me that I, I like to be in control of my phone usage. And I will say, you know, I mean, I do check the phone throughout the day. So it's not like, you know, I'm going to totally miss your message i mean i'm usually checking the phone you know more than once a day but no i i definitely do not get any of the notifications i definitely do not want any of the bells and the dings and i don't even want the vibrate (laughs) you know i want to look at the phone when I look at the phone and then, you know, and I choose what it is that I'm looking at. I, I know some people like a strategy is even they have, they, they come up with very specific times, let's say when they check email, or there's very specific times when, um, this is especially true for people who use social media for business. Like they'll have special times when they know it's like, I'm gonna go on Facebook precisely because I've gotta, you know, do something that, that's related to whatever my business is, let's say. Um, and I've never been that hmm. rigid. Um, I just find usually it's like you know I, I just have my own pursuits and it's like okay when am I gonna have the time in this day to to go check social media, but I was gonna share one thing that I really liked even from the passage that uh, it sounds like you were talking about here the one on one thirty six. My favorite quote here was where he says, um, "If we don't take charge and use them for our own goals." They do have a tendency to take over and use us for their own ends. I thought that was even significant that he stresses the idea of goals, like the importance even of having goals so that I think that's even maybe the first way you start to be intentional is even to start to think about what are your goals first, before you then even think about you know, why you're using social media. So, so maybe that even sounds like Marissa, like she knows her goal with Facebook is to keep in contact with the family and see the baby pictures and the family shots and, you know, kind of keep in touch with what's going on that maybe when you are intentional first about what your goals are, that that's one of the ways you make sure that the memes don't control you.
6: So I think you've just answered your own question from before <laughs> about how to control it, right?
2: Yeah.
6: So for those who are addicted, uh who's that yeah um if it's dopamine dopamine is about the expectation rather than the achievement right so is there a, a petit more is that maybe the right wrong term probably uh is there a disappointment sometimes when you go to social media and it's not as exciting as you want it to be anton's nodding go on come on tell tell the group therapy time <laughs> therapy time <laughs> uh, uh
5: well i mean there's I, I i can use examples of uh how like you know is, is stuff like why am i paying attention to this type of thing and it's something that i think a lot about but uh, uh one of the things even though i see some humor to it that happens with me uh someone was mentioning checking facebook um uh, earlier is like i i have a facebook but i don't like i don't post anything on my facebook really anymore it's like and then everyone from my past i think that's common is on my facebook so every now and then i check my facebook to look into that but like i never like uh it's like, if I go to certain pages, or if I look at certain people, it's inspiring, or I'm like, okay, this is worth my time. But like, I kind of laughed to myself, like I usually leave Facebook, just wondering why I was on there. So I limit the amount of time I spend on there as much as I can. (laughs) I try to uh, uh, monitor where my eyes go because I know it's designed to be enticing this way and that way. Like, look here, look here, look here. So I'm like, like, uh, it ties in with goals. Like I have a specific goal. Let me get on here, check this. Let me get off as quickly as I can because I'll get sucked into this. uh, Even though I like leave thinking, what was I doing? Usually in my case. So yeah.
1: So that's interesting. I so I you know I go on Facebook. I do use it, but I am, for me again, I use it to see all the family pictures, the family happenings, and I also am on um one or two um groups. Like so, you know, I have um RA and um, I'm on like a support group for RA, and that's that's a little bit of a time drain, but to me, it's worth it. It's a good um you know, if I'm relaxing, I'm, I'm gonna go and read the different um, posts, the new, cause, cause you know, sometimes it's people griping about their symptoms, but you know, it's different people asking questions and different people answering them. So that's kind of, that's interesting to me. So that's how I use Facebook. It's um, so I don't get, so you know, what's weird is I actually don't get a lot of, um, I don't get news. So I guess I must never have clicked on a news thing in mm-hmm. Facebook because I don't get, I know people are always talking about how Facebook's always feeding news to them. I don't get fed news. Um, eh, so I don't know, I am always getting fed dresses or something, but um, eh, the, the idea of, you know what came to mind though, the DLJ the in your question, the, the addiction, you know what disappointment I feel? Text messages. So I realized in the last couple of years, I want to say maybe now like five, six years now, I have become addicted to the use of text messaging. So say, for example, DLJ, you and I struck up a friendship and it happened that 11 o'clock your time worked well for you. And that time, whatever time it was for me worked well. So we got into this habit where we would text message right around that time would be not a lot, but maybe three or four text messages every day. If you went out for supper and you were out late on Thursday and you weren't back in time, I would keep looking at my phone. I would restart my phone and I would be like, is my text message not working? You know, shake the phone well, because, you know, I'm old. So, I am, you know, back in the day, I used to like shake things and they started working again. Um, because now I'm addicted to the easy reach of my friends in a way that we didn't have that with phones before. And I don't know what happened because I used to be not a big fan of, tech, fan of text messaging, but now I almost prefer text messaging to chat in. and I And I actually had somebody get annoyed with me when I actually had a phone conversation with them because I was doing one, two or three other things. And they were like, is it not courteous to give me your attention? if we're chatting live and I was like well I can multitask they're like but should you and I was like I have lost the respectfulness of picking up the phone and giving somebody my full attention because I have adopted the 30 second attention span that one needs for text messaging but in addition to that Seeing the text messages do give me that little joke of pleasure that my friend and I got to connect, even though if you said good morning to me, did we really connect? If it's 11 o'clock at night and now for three weeks we say almost the same exact things Hey, how was your day? Eh, all's quiet here. Ah, it's good to know. Have a good night. But it gives me something. And, and then I, so it makes me wonder is that the like, soft dopamine response of which Joya was talking. But it's text message, because that's a meme, that's a new
2: technology that we didn't have 20 years ago.
6: So just for future reference in our relationship, the only time that I would um, stop messaging you is if you use the wrong it, because that's just a limit for me. If you spell it without the apostrophe or when it should be or vice versa, then you won't get a reply. So I have a- Well,
1: you're, you are dead to me if you use the wrong there.
6: That too. That so too.
1: just, I require proper punctuation. I am a- te- So now, full disclosure, I, again, I text message like an old person. I'm not going to send you, you know, RTU. I don't even know if that's one. Whatever those are. You're not going to get those from me. I'm not going to say BTW. I'm going to say, by the way, did you notice- You know, Einstein's new paper
6: on blah, blah, blah. Um, Yeah, no, it's not going to. This might interest you in Malaysia, um, and it seems to be widespread. So I, for those who don't know, I'm supposed to live in Malaysia before pandemic. Um, But uh, something got lost in translation. So everyone I know in Malaysia thinks that BTW stands for between. (laughs)
2: Like
6: between you and me.
2: Oh wow. Okay. Well,
0: that's,
2: well, that's great. great.
0: Really interesting. That's how I use BTW. Just that's even from old school taking notes by hand. And I was never gonna write out the whole word between when I could just write out BTW. All right. I think we have time for anybody who wants to make any last oh. comments. DLJ. Well, DLJ
4: oh, right. and Laura.
0: Cool. So I how about it was stupid the people? That
6: people posted. So how many people here? Just out of curiosity thought that LOL, when they first saw it stood for lots of love. Am I the only one? Oh, two of us. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I
0: great. didn't know what it was, honestly, the first time I saw, like, multiple times I had to be like, what is this, like, LOL? LOL? Why is everybody saying LOL? I don't get that.
1: <laughs> and then they changed them. They kept changing them. The second I learned one of them, it was another one. One of them has an R in it, and I still don't know why it has an R in it. Well, what is LOL now? Is it no it's still the same but so they just cool. use something different now the cool kids don't use lol anymore
3: or well, cool kids use because i, I well,
1: i'm not a cool kid so i don't know laura
3: <laughs> well i can't i mean if i don't know i you
1: gotta ask a cool go. kid who among us is the cool kid marco you're the cool kid surely <laughs> it's probably anton with his 30 year old self
5: younging <laughs> I might be somewhat cooler. I don't know. I think you might be talking about R-O-F-L, rolling on the floor laughing.
4: Oh, come on.
5: But I think that yeah. might be loud. Did, did someone say, come on?
1: I don't recommend <laughs> I don't that during COVID We're times. Even, just hey, say.
3: How, how would a cool person even say something like that, rolling on the floor?
1: D oh. Marco knew what it was. Um, there's so many, I don't even know. Somebody sent me three letters. I was chatting with somebody and they sent me, and again, they're young. They're like in their early 20s. And I got, what did I get? I don't even know what I got. And it was like a whole sentence, but it was three letters. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. So I pretended I was cool and I sent back two question marks. <laughs> and then they responded. And what it was, it was, they were asking me, what are you doing right now? But I kid you not, it was three letters.
6: So I can beat that. <clears throat> so a friend of mine, again, in Malaysia. We fell out, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't understand why she just suddenly got angry, right? So I just got this message, which was a full stop. Now, Americans would understand that, but to a British brain, that full stop, not period. A full stop? Yeah, so it was a, a one-character message. It was a, what, to me, is a full stop. Yeah. Using the American term for full stop to explain why she was in a bad mood. Mm. Oh, are you with me? I am not she's t- telling me she's on a period, right?
0: Oh,
6: because <clears throat> oh. i a british wow. brain, so I'm thinking. I thought it was a just a full stop, like that's the end of the relationship. <laughs> 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 so there we go, one character message.
0: I on that no, note, no, we'll no. put a, we'll put a full stop here, maybe put a period, <laughs> or, or I'll tell you all that we're all on our periods. I don't know. Uh, but it uh, is going to be time for a uh, Bhagavad Gita, which is at a different link. So I want to make sure that you guys all have time to sign off for this one, sign on to that one if you do. And um, Maritza and I will see you back here for this one in two weeks. And we'll be going on to the positive section of the book. So the I'm definitely going to future. it. Thank yes. you. Thank you both. Thanks,
1: folks. <laughs> The directing evolution is the lofty topic of our next chapter. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. See you guys in two weeks. Thank you for being so lovely. See you next time. Bye, guys.
0: This episode may be done, but you can always find more travel ideas and opportunities at Delve Travel. Just visit delvetravel.com. The adventure continues.
4: Ask me why